Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 95% of the men who've come to see me, they've never been anywhere near a trans girl before, um, and they're not gay. That's what they all tell me, every single one, and I know that the vast majority of them are not telling the truth. Do you feel sorry for them? No, because I know what I'm going to do to them. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting times, because I have been talking on Twitter, on and off, for about, what, six months, do you think? Maybe more? Yeah. To um, a listener to the show, who I find absolutely fascinating um, and so I wanted you to meet her and um, it's Rebecca hello this is hello, Rebecca <laughs> so nice to meet you it is lovely. And, and at the same time so strange to see a voice coming out of the face I recognize so much <laughs> it's really nice to put a voice to the face so we're here with you um, at one of your places of work that's right, yes. I have uh, I have two places of work. One which you might call a daylight place of work and one that might be more of a twilight one. Mm. Uh, and this is the twilight one. Because you said to me, OK, come and meet me here. It's a bit weird and that's all you gave me. <laughs> so as we walked in, we met the manageress of what is a, a sort of meeting place, a club. And it has annexes for you. Yes, it has uh, a social club area and then um, an annex that's perhaps a little bit more private. Um, and this is where I, um, I like to work from. Right. So in case anyone hasn't guessed, <laughs> your work... I mean, I'm looking around this workroom and I can see... Um, I mean, what would we call this? A hoist? <laughs> I can see a pole. Uh, there are various kind of... Um, various restraints. Restraints, OK. Putting it. That's the technical term. Um, there's a little catwalk here as well. Yeah, you're not a fashion model, are you? No, no. Although, no, <laughs> you could be. Oh, my God, I've never felt shorter. <laughs> yes, when, I'm, um, when I've got these shoes on, I'm about six foot five. Uh-huh. Wow. So tell me about Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is a very important part of me. Um, I've got, uh, I suppose you might put it as a a male format and a female format. And um, Rebecca is is me when when I'm taken on that female um, image. Um, So I'm a a trans girl. Uh, I'm not full-time, although I don't necessarily disabuse anybody of that on Twitter. (laughs) 
um, and I've got a very responsible professional job um, and then I've also got a slightly more fun job as well. When did you become Rebecca? Well, that's kind of a can of worms, I think. Uh, I think she's... Uh, I, I've always been like this, um, and I don't think I'm particularly different when I'm uh, the man me and, and Rebecca me. I think it's the same person, it just the person looks different. But I'd say from very early in my life uh, as a child, I think it started out manifesting itself as a, as a tremendous fear of, of having anything that looks feminine on me. I remember I was going to a fancy dress party as a pirate and my mum was trying to put me in earrings for that and the horror at the thought of that, sort of opening that little trap door. Mm. Um, so it took until, until I was uh, probably in my late teens, early 20s when I started to wonder whether actually... This, this great fear was, was, was holding me back and I should probably um, grab hold of this side of me and, and, and do something about it. So up to that point where you kind of released Rebecca, were you living as a gay man or were you closeted? Uh, closeted? Um, I wouldn't say I was a gay person now. I think I just... I like I like other humans. I often use the word humanoid on Twitter, which started as an affectation, as so many of the things I do start out as affectations. But um, I realised that it's just that's that's what I'm into. Other people, it doesn't really matter what uh, sex they are. It doesn't matter necessarily what they look like. I think it's just nice to make connections with other people, um, and that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you um, agreed to have a chat with me because, you know, I'm I'm really conscious that um, how people perceive the way you live, right, has been hugely politicised and there'll be people listening to this who cringe at everything I ask and possibly everything you answer. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to stress that at this point... I'm interested in talking to you about your experience, yeah. Rebecca, and when you're not speaking for anyone else. Nope, I'm just speaking for me and answering for me. Um, and like you said, it's very politicised at the moment. It makes you feel very sad. Um, and I think the biggest problem with it is that everything needs to be a binary. You're either on one side or you're on another side. And uh, I think that's the same with all kinds of politics at the moment. Uh, and I'm not on any side. I can see... I can see what's driving people on, on both sides of this of this debate about, about the nature of, of, of trans um, and you can't really be in the middle because then everybody rather than empathises with you throws things at you because I know on Twitter you've sort of uh, kicked back against uh, people's concerns about the correct way to address you or um, the correct way to talk about trans women in general and things that people have said in the past that now are deemed to be offensive you don't necessarily have a problem with people can call me anything they want to as long as it comes from a place of respect if you were calling me something with the intention of hurting me that's very different mm. it's not the language you're using it's the hurt you're doing you're intending that's the problem yeah but there is the, i don't like the idea of policing language um I don't like the idea of people who are trying really hard to adapt and adjust to a new way of thinking and a new society around them 
getting hauled over the coals for making mistakes that they had no idea they were about to make. So um, I think I think empathy goes a long way and there's not enough of it about. You've got a hell of a lot of patience, though, you must have. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to get a lot of negativity thrown at me. I think in the last few weeks, part of me's gone looking for it a bit right. because of frustration with it all. I'm thinking, partly because I don't... It feels bad to be sat on the sidelines and not being able to put my, my point of view across. So I've done some slightly silly things of, of, of invading myself into conversations where I didn't have to be there, and that's when I've had some negativity at me. It'd be very easy for me to avoid it. Um, I probably should more. But then you're living a life where you're avoiding conversations that in some ways have to be had. I guess it's about choosing who it's worth having them with, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right with that. I think, I mean, I've seen the way that you work on, on Twitter and, and you you could, if, if you so wished, really hurl yourself into all kinds of stuff that wouldn't get you very, very far and wouldn't make your life any more happy or positive and you're able to, to not do that. So I think I probably should follow the same oh God. path. And yet still sometimes I find myself in the middle of something I, I had no idea was happening. You know? mm. um, and it, and I, know, I know Twitter for what it is, and yet it can still be pretty hurtful sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, there's if you if you simply open I don't know open the window onto it there's an infinity of awfulness in Twitter but as I think as I tweeted the other day I'd had a day where I'd been chatting to you on Twitter chatted to two or three other friends on there and Twitter opening up the possibilities to talk to all of these people who you, you like and you admire um it's it's a wonderful thing, and people who call it a hell site, and I don't think you're missing something. Mm. It's like that for you. You seem to um, run your stream on your own terms. You seem to own it, and you seem like a, a, a super confident woman on there. You know, I've seen some amazing pictures of you, um, and uh, the conversations you have, the interactions I've seen have been largely positive. You've yeah, got absolutely. like an army of fans, Rebecca. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, it happened because I showed pictures of my bum, I think. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. I think there's that. But I, I, try, I, just, I try to be me there, so I don't want to just be a blank image that, um, that, that people are responding to. I want a bit of, a bit of my personality in there. And I think a lot of... I, I try to, to do that. Um, and it's the same when I'm in the male me. It's the same kind of personality coming out. But there's there's a little bit of artifice there. I like to. I've got to think about Howard's way. You will have seen. I noticed. And what that, is that thing? That was. I, I liked Howard's way in the eighties. How old are you, man? I'm forty three. Right. So I'm, I'm a year older than you. Aren't yeah, we're a very similar age. Um, I, I quite liked Howard's way. Howard's way then, was always Sunday night on my grands. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so same with me. Sunday night ready for school the next day. Um, I thought this is it's quite a. There's something kind of bland about Howard's way, and kind of silly about it. Yeah. So it's, it's a funny thing to to talk about a bit. I think it's, it's it's the right cultural thing to fit my personality, and then I can't let go of it now, and it's snowballed into me winning competitions with Howard's Way prizes and, and what being... What did you win? I don't know, it's not arrived yet. <laughs> I'm hoping it arrived today. Please tell me it's like some sort of um, sweater, a I, lemon I, oh, sweater. A sweater would be wonderful. I think, yeah, 
That's what it would be. So anything acrylic. Or a sailor's good. cap. Even better. I know that would put Even to good better. use. Um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> It'd be the cornerstone of a new outfit. Although I bet you have that outfit. Oh, we, 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 I can show you some outfits later. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Howard's way is it's it's artifice, but uh, but it's slightly more than that now because I I feel I have to to delve right into it and immerse myself in this kind of silliness. Do you find a lot of the interactions you have? I know you said that. Um, and you have said in the past to me that you know the f- the first sort of things that you were doing on Twitter were very sexualized. Do you find that a lot of the interactions you have now are beyond that, or is it still that uh, uh, route? It's uh, that's an interesting question because you just made me realise something. I think a lot of women certainly will have experienced people sending them pictures they don't particularly want to see of bits of male anatomy. Mm-hmm. That's um, why my DMs are closed. So my, my, mine are open, um, and I, like loads of people, have received a ton of them. I haven't had one for ages now. I think my Twitter feed has changed and turned that down a lot, the encouragement for that. Um, so now, generally, I just get friendly messages well, every now and then I'll advertise when I've got a day of, of doing this particular job. Yeah, I was going to say that I've uh, that I've noticed that, um, and it's done in a very kind of friendly way. It's not kind of come on, lads, let's have it. it. It's done in a you know your your persona as Rebecca, and from what you're telling me, your persona generally um, is quite refined and quite gentle, and there's no need to be shouting about that. No, no, absolutely. I mean. I, I think I've got quite nice pictures and I've got a lot of followers, so anybody that wants to come and see me knows where I am and knows who I am, I think. And also, it's probably worth noting all the people who have come to see me. I've never yet met anybody who wasn't very nice to me and a nice person to be around. I've not seen any of the darkness that you might associate with this. Yeah. I've been trying to educate myself about a lot of things and um, sex work is one of them because I interviewed Caitlin Bailey who does the um, old pro podcast Mm -hmm. and it's just, I found it fascinating. It started off as kind of a historical examination of sex work through, you know, through the ages. And, but also because she's done sex work and the uh, Wendy that she used to work with has also done sex work in her time. Um, It took away from the stereotype that a lot of people have which is all sex workers are desperate, all sex workers are doing it because they're in an absolutely dire situation and they put themselves at terrible risk and they hate it. Mm. Well, I'm sure that that is the case in some cases and and, and Caitlin always talks about how crisis sex work is something quite different. You know, if you're in a situation where you are feeding a drug habit or, you know, you're in some sort of situation where you're having to feed someone else's drug habit, you'll make riskier decisions than you would if you are just living your life and you decide that actually, in her case, she said, I was working my ass off in Starbucks and mm. I thought, there's more to life than this. And she felt more exploited when she was working in a coffee shop. People haven't opened their eyes properly to that yet, have they? No. I'm, I'm, I have a little reticence to, to talk about it because... I'm not a genetic woman and I think there might be slight differences in what I might experience from the people that come to visit me. Um, But all the people I've met who work in this business are um, very much independent and doing it because they want to do it. Um, I've never met anybody who I've felt... On, from what I could tell was being exploited at all and I'm certainly not being exploited in any way 
I'm partly doing this because I'm getting when when you're a trans girl, an awful lot of being a trans girl can be about sex and you're viewed as a sex object. And I was getting so many requests to meet up with people uh, and you go to various parties where this was all happening and it just does the realisation that actually I could make a bit of money out of it mm-hmm. um, which has proved the case Do you think you're a very sexual person anyway? Um, no, no I, I don't think I am now because I don't if, if it's, I, I have too much <laughs> So I don't ever, I don't think about it very much. Right. Maybe less than I used to. So for you now, it's turned into um, a way to pay the shopping bills. Yeah. Yeah, and meet nice people. Mm-hmm. And that might sound odd, but like I said, everybody I have met has been nice to me. It doesn't sound odd. It sounds like a way of staying sane, actually. Um, yeah. Yes, I've been to some bizarre... I've seen a lot of bizarre things in the last few years. Um, and I called in... Last time I called you on, on the show, I was talking about that, the club in King's Cross with um, with the basement there. And Yes. That's about as sleazy a thing as you could imagine and then maybe turn the dial up a bit further. And how do you feel when you go somewhere like that? Um, I, I, like, I like the control of it. I like the fact that I can be aloof and... I like the fact that every man in the room is looking at me, to be honest. I'm going to sound terribly conceited, but if, 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 yeah, if I'm down there, I'll, it's, I'll be surrounded very quickly by these chaps, um, which is quite empowering um, in some ways. What kind of guy is it, or oh, woman, I'm not making any judgments, who comes to see you what kind of people do you see um everybody who comes apologizes either for being too young or for being too old so there's something about they're thinking about their their age when they do it generally i think it's probably the most common age would be about 50 uh, but i had a, a very young man uh, come to see me maybe 19 or 20 it's probably the youngest um but it's all kinds of ages what every well 95% of the men who've come to see me, they've never been anywhere near a trans girl before um, and they're not gay. That's what they all tell me, every single one, and I know that the vast majority of them are not telling the truth, but they have this urge to say, I've never seen a trans girl before. They're telling themselves that, aren't they? There's some there's some sort of stigma there that they're, that they're trying to, to push down, I think some felt stigma that they've got. Do you feel sorry for them? No, because I know what I'm going to do to them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. And does it does it vary? Do some of them just want to chat, or is it generally they want to get straight down to it? <laughs> um, I think some of them want to chat more than others of them, but all of them want to um, uh, experience the Garden of Earthly Delights. Can you remember, and I'm sure you can, the first time that you made this into work? Yes, yes, I, uh, I uh, was at a hotel out near Epping and I had a couple of days of booking in sort of seven or eight guys over the course of two days. Wow, so you went straight for it? Yeah, I tend to leap into things. How long a build-up was it or did you just decide it that day? Um, I 
because I have another job. I need to sort of build my build space into and able to do this in my time. So I'd had like a week of, of planning and booking a place. Um, and it was a lot less nervous than you might think, simply because having met guys beforehand um, without the money aspect of it. Um, it was... Uh, there's a difference, though, with knowing you you're letting people down if 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 you can't make something or if you have to cancel anything that's a bit different but it's i think i think there's a lot that i must ignore and push away to the back of my head um and, and live in the now um because I, I don't get particularly nervous of these kind of things and that's not necessarily the case in other aspects of my life oh really how so um, I, I don't know whether I'm normally a risk taker, but in this side of things, I am very much a risk taker. I'm quite reckless. How close a call have you had through recklessness? Um, not. It depends what the risk was. I mean, this is quite reckless because this is my voice. And a lot of people will hear this if they recognise me, they recognise me. So that's quite a reckless thing to do. But the thought of meeting you and having an interview is, is far too much to, to ever um, let, the, let the risk uh, get in the way of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I am a risk taker in this aspect of my life and not in others. When you come to work here, you don't come dressed, I take it? No, no. Have you ever gone out dressed? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or during the day. Mm, mm. The funny thing you were telling me was that um, earlier on is that you don't do anything other than uber glamorous. <laughs> yes, because I mean I've got a lot of makeup on. It's not sort of drag greeny makeup, but there's a lot there because if there's anything missing, male me comes through. So I need to properly camouflage myself. But you're camouflaging for yourself more than anyone else, by yeah, the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy going out and going anywhere, walking down the street. Um, it doesn't bother me. Nothing bad has ever happened to me. I've never had a, a, a nasty comment in, in all my life of doing this. Do you get people staring? I don't know, because I take my glasses off. Oh, so it's all a blur. There's a smooth so that move. Helps. Yeah, I remember doing that when I lived in Paris, and it was quite a heady environment there. Um, and I found that the easiest way to be completely... Yeah, in my, I guess it's the kind of alternative to sticking your headphones on. Mm. Um, yeah, put, taking my glasses off. That's mm. funny, isn't it? We both did that. There is a point where you want people to be staring if you think you're looking good. Yeah. If they're saying, wow, who's that? That's very different to, wow, who's that? And you do enjoy clothes, don't you? You enjoy mm. the way you look. Yeah. That's another thing from Twitter. I'm having all my followers. I don't tend to buy clothes anymore because I have so many generous chaps who buy me things. And that's a far cry from the little kid who didn't want to put pirate earrings in. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment that switched that, or did it just happen gradually? I think gradually. Um, there used to be a place in Euston, a shop there, where you could go and they would uh, they would transform you into a woman for an afternoon. Um, and I, I went there a couple of times uh, in my early 20s. Um, before that, it's it's sort of piecemeal rather than the whole image mm -hmm. um, and then you realise you can do all this stuff yourself, you don't need to go off and get 
um, expert help and guidance for it. This is the thing that I often get asked, and lots of other trans girls get asked as well, is about makeup and how you do it, and and which uh, makeover specialist to go and see. And maybe get one makeover, but just watch what they're doing so you can learn how to do it and do it yourself. YouTube is amazing now. Speaking yeah. as you know, a non-trans woman who's trying to keep keep in the game, so to speak, and also, you know, having. Um, you know, my mum showed me techniques, but they were techniques that she used in the 70s and 80s, and things move on, don't That's they? That's what I'm doing now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You've done a really good job. I'm very envious of, your, of the neatness of your lipstick. It took a long time. You're immaculate. You're absolutely immaculate, but I guess that that's all part of, that's all part of you, is Rebecca. Yeah, it needs to be immaculate. Well, as immaculate as I can make it. And so which part of you feels most like you're in drag when you're... Rebecca or when you're in your male form? Well I think drag, I don't know if this is true or not, but in when in the trans circles I know drag is referred to as dressed as girl mm. that's what it sort of stands for and drab is dressed as boy. So oh really? I, if that's true that's, that's what we all say. That's a shame for the boys isn't it? It is, it is. But you can understand it's like the bird, well that's the opposite to the bird in the animal world isn't it? The, bird, <laughs> the boys are always flamboyant. Yeah exactly. Um, I, neither, neither. Neither, neither's different. I don't feel uncomfortable when I'm a man. I don't feel uncomfortable when I'm uh, Rebecca either. And do you feel any urge to go full time with Rebecca? The it would be lovely, but the amount of effort is gigantic. <laughs> it really is enormous the amount of time it would take to do that. And I'm I'm not envious of all the things that people like Clara here, the, the manageress to go through every day to do that. What I am basically living is a hyper-privileged existence and I'm very well aware of that, where I can get all the privileges of being a boy and then I can get the privileges of doing this in a sort of safe environment where I'm not tossed on the waves of, 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 of uh, prejudice and, and bias by society. I can pick and choose. So people who know about this place know about this place and um, you're working on your terms. Yeah. So how do you balance it with your day job, which you've mentioned is quite uh, conservative and responsible? How do you flip that switch? Uh, my work know about Rebecca. Um, they know about certain aspects of Rebecca. Um, it, there's, a, there's a great lie about um, stress and tension and seniority where the further up a chain you go, it's supposed to be more stressful. And actually, the further up a chain you go, the more flexibility you have to, to, to use your skills as you want to and to use your time uh, in, in, in a different way. So there's flexibility over how I use my time, which, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. And you say that they know it works. They know that you dress at the weekends or in the, at home? or Yeah, some people do. Right. My boss and other bosses know about it. Yeah. What was that conversation like? Remarkably um, straightforward with some bosses. Other ones, you have, they have to pick their jaw up off the floor a little bit, particularly when they see a photo. I think that's the moment when they're like... Because that's, that's one thing when I tell people, is the great anxiety you have, is, they, is that they are thinking that you're basically... David Walliams in Little Britain. <laughs> oh my God! So I have. A terrible... I don't see any parasols. <laughs> no, I have a terrible urge every time to make sure they see a photo of what I do look like, um, because 
I just I want to be the best me that I can be, not a parody of womanhood. You're doing a good job. You're doing a Thank really good you. job. Um, should we have a look around and see some of your bits and bobs? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm drawn immediately to this. Um, what's this? Yes, this is, is this a PVC? PVC nurse's outfit. Well, I mean, it's very handy for. I'm not sure that's standard issue, is it? But it would be white paint. Um, I think sister might take you to one side if you turned up on this and suggest that maybe you want to um, think about whether this is appropriate for the patients. But yeah, it's all very shiny and yeah. wipe clean and. So what's the deal that, that when you book a client they'll request a look or you will offer them? Very rarely they do. Um, very rarely they, they're requesting. Usually they say, do you wear stockings? Which is a slightly daft question. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, or will you wear heels? Yes. Um, but every now and then they'll ask for leather or PVC or something. Um, I don't have any leather, so that usually disappoints them and they'll go elsewhere. But uh, I have a little bit of PVC. Come on, let's see what else you've got. Um, I've got like a mini mouse kind of dress, which is quite fun to wear, but it feels slightly parody of a woman. But it's yeah, uh, it's lovely kind red. of nineteen fifties ish. Yes, I do have a thing about fifties, kind of, and forties wear. Um, oh, hell, Bonnie, I've got some of their dresses. Mm, they, 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 I think a lot of trans girls have because I think they do sizes that. That, that suit us. Well, also, it's feminine, but it's, there's something sassy about it, and mm. it's in 1950s, but it's not kind of 1950s like your grand would have worn. There's yeah. a little rock and roll, rockabilly edge to it. Yes, isn't there? yeah. Oh, and speaking of which... Yes, this is my absolute favourite. Um, I, 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 because I'm a massive attention seeker, I tweeted last night that I needed to look my best for your visit today, and I put four dresses up. Um, and I didn't end up picking this one, but this is my favourite. It is very 1940s, 50s. Yeah, it's kind of a... Is kind of it thing. black shirt dress? It is, yes. The sort of, you know, the tattoo um, swallows holding a heart says forever on it. It's very cool. Shirt dresses are my favourite thing. They oh. suit my figure. Yeah, they're great. Well, um, they cinch where it needs cinching. Yes, so I've got a corset on it. Your figure is incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I'm starting to, I mean, you know, I'm, we're a similar age. I'm starting to get the kind of uh, <laughs> middle age spread going on. I am I am remarkably lucky. I mean, they, there's like this cliche that trans girls are given away by their hands 
having big hands, but I've got quite you feminine hands, so I'm quite lucky. Oh, what's this? This is a kind this of uniform. Like a, yes, it's like a, a, a military dress. It's sort of, when it's advertised, they put pictures of people on stage singing in it, so it's like a, a costume, basically. Oh, like Leandro sisters. Yes, that kind of thing, but it's, it's great fun. I just need to find an occasion to wear it. I've got a, a good friend on Twitter um, who is a photographer as well as a, an escort, and she's going to take some pictures of me. I think I'm going to go to the Imperial War Museum wearing this, and I'm going to lay myself seductively over tanks and cannons and sandbags, and she's going to take photos. <laughs> yeah, there's that risk-taker edge to you again. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Do you, so you don't feel any kind of... You don't feel threatened that, you know, if you come across the wrong person, you know, particularly doing something like that, that, you know, I mean, the thing is, you're really tall. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mess with you. <laughs> you don't feel threatened that, you, that or, or is, there a, is there a bit of a thrill in the danger? Um, I, I don't think there's a thrill in the danger of, of, of being abused or, or, or having any physical problem. There's a bit of a thrill like I said, in, in having everybody look at you when you're walking through the shopping mall here in Harlow. Um, but I don't want to be in any difficult situations. And like I said, I haven't been in any. I haven't had anybody say anything nasty to me or or, or come to me uh, with any kind of negative intentions. Do you know any, any of the other girls had that? Um, yes, I think within the, the trans community it happens quite a, quite a bit. Um, I think... Potentially, I've been very lucky. Potentially, there's something about confidence that helps. If you have confidence as you're walking down the street, I think you're much less likely to to receive attention than if you're creeping around trying to avoid it. I think that might not always be the best the best tactic for that. I get it. That kind of street smarts idea that you know, if you've got your head held high rather than you look like furtive, then mm. you're not going to attract that kind of attention. Even so, I think uh, going out dressed, holding your head high, that must take an awful lot the first few times. Yeah, and I, I do I do jump into things. Uh, the first time I did it um, was in King's Cross at lunchtime, um, walking through there with a friend. So um, it took a little bit of, of time to get out of the out of the room. You know what I mean to get open that door and go right into the into the public, but not as much as you might think. How did it feel when you were out? Frightening that first time. We got uh, I got bibbed by a van, which at the time felt slightly unnerving, and then afterwards was the best part of the day in retrospect. <laughs> and then when you got back into somewhere that felt safer, what were we talking? A buzz? Yeah, a little bit of a buzz, and then. Um, and then a complete happiness about walking back again afterwards because you knew that the work ground wasn't going to open up and swallow you. It must be incredibly freeing. It is. It is because you realise nobody cares. Everyone's got bigger things to worry about than what you look like walking past them on the street. I think in London. That's a good point, yes. Perhaps so. And I don't really want to put Harlow down, but Harlow is, um, I think, crime and deprivation are more than you might find in, in, in some places that you go to. But again, walking around Harlow, again, I've never had any any problems here at all. Mm. So when people come here, do you want to go and sit yeah. What's this? I, I can't even tell you what that is. I don't know what it is. There's so much hardness. I want to say, it looks like a spray tan tent, but I see that there's a sort of seat in here. It's... You could call it a love, a canopy love seat. Okay. 
but I don't know if that's a very accurate description. It's whatever you need it to be at the time. This, I think, is for somebody shorter than me. Um, and I think you would... Put your neck in there. Yeah. <laughs> More of the restraints. There's restraints on the floor. Oh, there is a dungeon here. Oh, my God. Um, what is that? Yeah, what's this? A crying I, again, angel? Again, I can't tell you. It's like a bizarre grey yeah. angel, a uh, tearful angel on the wall. Um, but they're respectfully covering their eyes, so... They are. I, I, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the aesthetic is interesting, I'm going to say it. It's, um, it's postmodern. There <laughs> many influences. Um, I'd like to turn the light on. Oh my, what's this place? This is very strange. So there's all kinds of ropes and whips and things. There's this kind of stuff on the wall. I don't know what this is. This is some kind of horror theme. Yes. So you've got um, what we're going to call it like a mural poster. Yeah. And uh, it's got—it's it, like a graveyard scene with yeah. um, signposts going to the creepy house or Zombie Avenue. I think my fantasies involve comfy, comfy, luxurious stuff rather than graveyards. But I think some people go for that. Um, and there's um, a door with a kind of um, like coffin a, shape on it. Yes. Yeah, so again, I'm, I, I I come here a lot. I come here at least once a week, and every time I come here, there's something new. <laughs> And, and that's certainly new. Well, this coffin thing. I guess it's a playroom, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and the, yeah. And the games are dark. They are. <laughs> Can we have a peep in this one? There's not a lot in here. Um, now this is kind of more what you'd imagine standard, you know, sex worker basic. Yes. Yeah, so oh, should we call it an office? An op- yes, a, a workspace. <laughs> you've got um, the sink, you've got a bed, you've got a sofa. Yeah. This used to be where I would get made up and then they turned it into a dark room, so it's quite tricky to do your makeup in the dark. Yeah, they've not thought this through, have they? <laughs> no. No, so it's, a, it's a curious spot. Which is, which is the place you prefer? Um, I tend to work out of where we were sitting with mm-hmm. the sofas and things, but then with the bed there, that's quite helpful as well. This yeah. is slightly frightening. This old chap. That must be nearly two feet long. <laughs> it's, but the yeah. good thing about it is that you can share it. You can, you can. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not anatomically correct. Oh, I shouldn't think so. I don't think that could survive in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> vet people before they come in because you know obviously I know that you feel confident in what you're doing you're looked after by this place but you never know who really anyone is Mm. especially you know if you're doing it through social media how how do you give yourself the best chance of um, not being with a moron there's always a risk but generally morons will demonstrate that they're morons in their communication beforehand are there things that give them away um, there are an awful lot of people who simply want to talk to you and get their, their thrills that way. So you have a lot of time wasters. Um, because, and they will ask you lots and lots of questions that's very easy to find the answer to. They'll send you multiple, multiple messages. Um, so there's, a, there's like a format where you know you can expect someone's going to be a good one, where they'll set out very clearly uh, what they'd like to do and when it might be possibility possibility to do it and you can just tell that they're a 
reasonable human being, or you hope you can tell. Mm. Have you ever had any strange ones where, uh, you know, the client has got, I don't know, upset or anything like that? Not really. I'd like to have a whole barrage of stories for you, but it's just always been pretty pleasant kind of pleasant kind of time I've had with these yeah. people. I've got some a lot of my my best memories are from going to out calls where you go visit them. Um, there's a lovely guy that I go and see quite a lot. So really nice going to see him. But there's a guy who will book um, two of us at once. Um, and he dressed us up as air hostesses once. That was immense fun. It was in a beautiful place in Bond Street. Wandering around in a, in a I think it was an old monarch um, uh, air hostess uniform. It was kind of yellow. Didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily my colour, but it was tremendous fun. <laughs> it was authentic, at least. <laughs> yes, it was a real, definite, authentic air hostess. So, so you'd say that was one of your favourite clients? Yeah, yeah, they've got two, two or three regulars who are all great. And do any of them try to do that old thing of saying, I'm going to save you and take you away from all this? Um, they haven't done. Uh, they know that would be daft. I've had some people say, you just need to find a boyfriend. No, I don't. No, I really don't. Again, do you think that's more them trying to tell themselves that? Yeah, I think they remember Pretty Woman from the late 80s, and they think this is, this is A, it'll make them feel better, B, they really do think that, that they could make my life better. And they don't really realise that I'm at the peak of privilege as it is already. Are you in a relationship outside? No, no. Would you like to be? I don't know if I would. I think part of this Rebecca side of me, there's a, there's a lot of selfishness in it. There's a lot of independence, maybe do what I want. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I love people. I love other individuals. Um, but it's a difficult thing to, to know whether to share it or not, share my life or not. I guess, you know, that's a risk. You, if you don't need to take it, why would you? Hmm. You seem to have got things the way you want them. Yeah, although always there's this little nagging doubt in the back of your mind whether I'm, I'm ignoring or hiding something, whether this really is what I want. Because I'm constantly picking up things to decide whether is, is, this, is this real or not, is there, is there a paranoia to it, I don't know. If you're asking the question... Then the chances are you're you're saying it's the people that think they've got it sorted and uh, and won't won't allow that into their consciousness. If you know what I mean, they won't uh, they won't allow themselves to wonder whether this is the right thing for them. You know, in any walk of life, I think you, your head's pretty screwed on from what I see. I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I one of the kind of cliches, not cliche, stereotype about sex workers is they're doing it on a drug habit or for drink or whatever. Yeah, or they're really, abused or something, yeah, they're I'm, needy. I'm, I have none of that in my past or in my present. Um, so it gives you a clarity of thinking, I suppose. You haven't got any substances that are affecting your, your, your thinking. So Yeah, and I guess if you're not doing it to manage a crisis and you're likely to make more sensible decisions. Hmm. Where do you see yourself... This is one of these questions, interview questions, that I'm sure you've um, asked in your responsible daytime job. Where do you see yourself in, like, two, three years? I think, to some extent, this, this side of life has a shelf life, but 
think it's probably beyond two or three years yet. Um, it would be nice to be able to maintain what I'm doing now. Um, I think there's, there's risks that it could all come collapsing down. And I, there is that little bit of shadow in the future that part of me is thinking this is going to end in some kind of bad place. Well, because this is too perfectly balanced for you now, it's too good now. Yeah, and I think there's, there's a lot that's, that I'm hiding, that if it comes out, then that's... The, it's only going to end up with, with, with bad things happening. So there is there's that kind of shadow that, that could be there. But I, I'm, I'm very prone to, to what ec- economists call discounting, where you're, you prize today much more than you prize tomorrow. I'm very, very prone to that. It's a big weakness of mine. A weakness or it could be a strength, you know. If the brown stuff's going to hit the fan, it's going to hit the fan anyway. You worrying about it for three years before it happens just means you suffer twice, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no need to worry about something that, that you've, got, you've got not as much control as you think you have over. Here's the thing. The other day, we were finishing the show and Paul Ross, as he does comes bounding in delightfully with something that he's been sent in the post and he said it's strange it says it's for my daughters but they've only sent one thing because he's got several daughters mm-hmm. and he said well you might as well have it Kath it'll stop and rowing and he gave it to me and it was like an exercise book and a pen uh, and some badges and it said woman adult human female I thought why would you need that on a badge Unless it's something to do with this kind of turf side of feminism, which I don't ascribe to. So I googled it, and yeah, sure enough, it's this is this movement. And because one of the badges was something like "No Men in Our Space," and I went, "Ah, right." Paul, of course, didn't realise, and I told him afterwards. I went, oh, "You know what this is? It's not a side of feminism I can ascribe to, and it and it's very loud at the moment." I, I thought we were getting to a place of acceptance until about sort of five years ago where people could dress as exactly how they felt like and identify exactly how they wanted to and we were getting there it's not wasn't perfect but there was more awareness being raised and then this happened now i'm supposed to be in that feminism gang i'm not in that wing of it no so does that make me a bad feminist or a good feminist or just a human being who's not made their mind up quite yet no, I have made my mind up and I'm not in that. That's not allowed, though, is it? There aren't any badges for that. No, we've got no badges. I've just got my Howard's Way badge. <laughs> um, I, again, just to reiterate, I'm just talking for me. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people out there who might say, well, you're not trans enough. You're not properly trans if you don't subscribe to certain views, etc. Because um, no, I was asking you earlier on about whether you'd want to be Rebecca full-time. Um, and you're not bothered? No. I, I, I recognise what privileges I've got and I'm happy to keep them. I don't have the same gender dysphoria that some people have where there's something like a, a revulsion about their physical body mm. and then the male parts of it, or the female if it's, if it's the, the opposite, trans, uh, female to male. Um, I don't. I don't have that. Um, well, because the com- the conversation I thought we might end up having was, you know, would you want to be Rebecca full time? I am Rebecca full time. This is just clothes, but it doesn't quite feel that way. 
No, I, mean, I, I did say as well that it's the same me when I'm Rebecca and when I'm the boy me. It is the same me. Uh, I prefer to be like this and look like this. But um, I mean, I think there's, there's some things. I'm not doing it now, but there's like a Rebecca voice I might put on. I might try to, but I know I can't keep it up. So every time I've called into the show, the, the two or three times I have, I might have started out with a different voice to how it ended. Um, but I, I, I'm a human, I'm, I'm an individual human, and therefore I don't necessarily experience some of the things that some people do who have gender dysphoria. So I do not see myself as a woman. I see myself as either a boy or a trans woman, uh, and that's sort of trans woman all one word rather than two um, and I'm quite happy with that so I'm only speaking for myself but the notion of women wanting to keep a safe space away from men is not something I want to mess with um, I don't want to go into women's I don't want to become a uh, I don't know a, a union officer for women's a women's officer at a university I don't want to um I don't want to go swimming in a women's only swimming pond or anything like that. I want to respect that, that difference. If you're out for the night, which loo do you use? This is the issue. Um, it's an issue because uh, of practicality. I do what I can to not have to go to the loo, to be honest. Oh, really? But if I have to, A, I'll try and find somewhere with unisex loo. And I think unisex loo feels like somebody's got this whole separate loo that they put a big sign up. Which is a, a cafe often has a unisex loo because mm-hmm. it's only got one loo. Uh, so I'll try and do that and I'll know where those places are. But I will go in the ladies, which is selfish to some extent, simply because if I go in the men's, I think I'm going to cause more of a stir and cause more upset and anger and risk by doing that than if I went into the ladies. I don't like that. I don't like the fact that I don't want to cause anybody any upset and distress. But it feels like the easy option. And yet everyone's got a bloody opinion on it. Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, it's it's black or white. You have to have one set of opinions or another. Uh, And there's nothing in the middle. And the other thing is that the way Twitter is... We're going back to this again, the sort of subject we started out on. The way Twitter is, is that people read the one sentence, two sentences you put out and make a judgment on your entire personality based on their um, interpretation of the, that, the order of those words. Yeah. I mean, every, whenever I engage with people on, on Twitter who aren't necessarily trans themselves, there's this assumption that either I've had surgery or I'm going to have surgery. Well, the term is pre-op, which suggests that everyone's going to have the op, but I know that's Mm. not the case. And I know an an op wouldn't change me inside. Uh, I think with some people who have the dysphoria, I think potentially it could be beneficial and change to how they feel inside and and their happiness. It wouldn't necessarily do for me. Yeah. I mean, some people, for them, it's life and death, you know. It's, there isn't a choice about this. It's a matter of becoming the person they already are, you know, um, outwardly. But, like you say, not everyone feels like that. No. Just have the fact that I'm not really properly trans thrown at me from that side. Um, I started out a while ago sort of trying to engage with people on the... Um, you might call it the turf side. I think it's quite a loaded word and, and I, I don't tend to use it. 
think it's a uh, turf. What does it stand for? It stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist. Um, which you could argue logically is a good descriptor of some people, but it's used in an insulting way. So I can understand why people wouldn't want to have that badge. Um, there's, uh, I, I try to talk to the people on that side to say, like, some of the things you're saying I agree with, but I don't know why you're being so nasty in the way you're saying it. And it didn't really get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do it on the other side, talking to trans rights activists, which is the other acronym, uh, the TRAs on the other side of it. And they just, the, the I get called quizzling or that kind of thing to say. I've seen that. What does that mean? Quisling is a, um, a Norwegian, uh, head of the Norwegian Nazis. So in the Second World War, when the Germans invaded Norway, he was the person in charge of the country during that, that time. So his, his, his name has become a byword for being a traitor, basically. In the meantime, there's no discussion then, is there? You no. get shut down by both sides. Which is why I get why you wouldn't want to get involved sometimes. Mm. But um, then I feel guilt about it. Um, there were there were three or four sort of notable voices on on Twitter of trans people who were trying to say, look, I, I agree with the worries that women have about about men, women only spaces, and and that feels like a middle ground. But they're treated entirely like they are on the opposite side um, to everybody else, and about it. Here's one that was raised a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about um, giving Casta Semenya as an example. Now, Casta Semenya is a woman, has lived all her life as a woman and there have been, there's been speculation as to her genetic makeup for a, a long time because she's very, very strong and she's built kind of masculine. Um, and then recently they did a DNA test on her and they found that she does have, like the chromosomes that mean that it's not quite as biologically she's more male than female although this is a woman who's always been a woman and who feels like a woman so it started this whole debate and from some really kind of um, voices that you wouldn't expect I know um, some people um, from within the sporting world sporting heroines saying that this is the thin end of the wedge and what we're going to do, we're going to have uh, trans women running against cis women and that's not fair, it's going to spell the end of female sport. I feel like that is probably some way off, but that is a real worry for some people. I think for Kester Samania, uh, I think there's no question that she is a woman, genetic woman, and she's at one end of a sort of a spectrum Mm. of that. So I think it's it's horrible for her that she's thrust into one of this. Yeah, and, and again, she didn't want to be the representative for this yeah. argument. And, and I might be wrong, but I understand that that test was done without even asking her. So she had a test taken, blood taken without knowing why, and then them telling her these results that she never asked for. So I feel very, very sorry for her. Um, but it's, it is an interesting point about sport, and a lot of what's talked about at the moment is... I suppose more towards the amateur end of sport or, or teenage sport where trans identified uh, uh, the boys who are, who are transitioning or identifying as, as women are winning sprint races by a country mile and it feels very, very wrong to me. It feels like I, 
I can understand again there's nuance here and the idea of trans women or trans men being excluded from participating in sport is not a good idea and it's not something I, I like to think about but the idea of girls being turned away from sport and turned off competing when we're in the middle of an obesity epidemic globally and women and girls frequently drop sports midway through their teens the thought of putting more risk on that happening that's a bigger risk to me than than stopping trans women competing in in high level sport so what's the answer because you know none of us like the idea of anyone being excluded I say none of us we don't <laughs> um, do we have mixed sporting events where it's about your physicality rather than your gender I suppose with the, the Paralympics they have categories to do with your um, to do with a disability I suppose you could have various sporting events where it is done on on your, your body shape and body size etc um, and maybe we could do that in addition to having women's sport and men's sport but I don't know the answer this is, it isn't an easy answer no, absolutely which is why not. it's difficult to sit on the fence which is what I tend to do yeah but it's difficult to get off the fence when the other sides are screaming at each other <laughs> yeah. if you have a very strong ideology about this you can take a very strong point about it and you can end up in quite absurd logical positions if you ask me the lesson I'm learning as I get older and there are still many lessons to learn is that rather than talking about people ask the people who are affected I wonder if anyone's asked the people who are involved in this kind of sport who have to deal with this conundrum I wonder if anyone's asking them what they mm. would rather if they're not doing, they really should do. And people should feel free to be able to say what they really think, which I think is a problem at the moment. I mm. think people can't necessarily say what they want to. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Mm. I think I think there's a little bit of Emperor's New Clothes going on where people are too scared to say what they really feel about a lot of issues around trans nature. But I guess the discussion is still a pretty new one and we're mm. still... And, and what tends to happen when an issue comes to light in the way that tra trans rights and um, trans issues have done, and they're becoming kind of more mainstream, albeit normally screamed from the pages of the Daily Mail as to, oh, my God, what's happening now? The world's about to end. I guess what happens is it's quite ham-fisted to start with. Yeah. And people imagine the worst-case scenarios. I think it's it's ham-fisted, and I think a lot of people are hypersensitive to the ham-fisted nature of it as well. Um, a lot of trans girls that I talk to, chat to in, in forums and things, the thought of being stopped in the street and having people say hello to you and asking you questions is, is absolute anathema. That'd be hideous for them. But for me, I'm I'm quite happy with that. Um, the last time I I, I went over to Sorbogeth, which is just down the road from here, I stopped the car and I had a bit of a parking problem wondering whether I was hanging over a driveway and a woman was also doing the same park on the other side of the drive when she had the same issue. We got out and she came up to chat about it and about after 15 seconds she said, oh gosh, are you trans? And yes, yes, I am trans. And then she wanted to give me a big hug and talk about how excited her mum would be to see me and meet me and chat to me and how lovely it all was. And, that to me was a lovely experience. Mm -hmm. Where I think to some people it would have been quite unnerving yes. and frightening, and they didn't want anything to do with some it. Some people don't want to be the unicorn. No, no. But I, I'm quite happy getting hugs off strangers on the street if they're being nice to me. Oh. Well, 
Well, I hope that continues. Yeah, I hope so. Do you feel like things are going to get better? I fear they might not. I fear that uh, every time there's a view raised um, that pits trans people, trans rights against women's rights, and every time that view ends up becoming a huge argument, I think it just makes my life harder as a trans person. So a lot of people who are very strident call themselves trans allies and trans activists. I don't think they're, they're allying me. I don't think they're helping me. Is there a danger of the Stacey mm. Dooley thing where by thinking you're doing the right thing, you're speaking for people who you're not listening to? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people that I've talked to in the last couple of weeks, face-to-face trans people, have said they... They sort of they feel the same way that I do about this. They feel excluded from arguments about our nature and our lives that have been taken away to to each extreme, as we see in politics with with Republicans and Democrats in America and Brexit and Remain here. You can't live in the middle ground. You, you've had your your opportunity to talk taken away from you, taken off to these strange places. What needs to happen to change that? Do you need someone? Do you need an ally who gives you a platform and then stands back? Do you need a trans hero? I think a a nice, nuanced, trans, middle-ground hero would be ideal. Um, I don't know if that person's out there. Um, There's a lot of very strong and very positive voices for for trans in the the discourse at the moment. I think people like Paris Lees has got a lot of very positive things to say, and Juno Dawson as well. But even there, I think there's various things that I would, I would disagree with them on. Um, I mean, I saw a few weeks ago a lot of... There was a day or two of people really pushing the trans ally thing, put a put a, a picture up on your Twitter feed about being a trans ally. And I don't want a trans ally, I want a Rebecca ally, I want a human ally, I want somebody who's just going to stand up for whatever rights I should have and that don't trample on anybody else's rights. I don't want a big trans banner above my name I just want to be me that seems like that seems like what everyone wants isn't it Mm, I think it probably is the case isn't it When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.